Hello, my name is Douglas Block. I'm an author and mental health educator. Welcome to your Depression Recovery Podcast, where each week we talk about practical tools and coping strategies for healing from depression and anxiety. This week's podcast was adapted from one of my YouTube videos. I hope you enjoy it. This week, uh, we have, what, episode 12 of my audiobook, When Going Through Hell Don't Stop. You'll be hearing part one of chapter seven called God is My Antidepressant. In this chapter, I explain how after all the regular treatments for depression failed, I had one last chance. I reached out to my spiritual community in the hopes that they could find some way to heal me from this depressive episode. Chapter seven, God is my antidepressant. Scientific prayer or spiritual treatment is really the lifting of your consciousness above the level where you have met your problem. If only you can rise high enough in thought, the problem will then solve itself. Emmett Fox, What is Scientific Prayer? Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it shall be opened. Matthew 7, 7-8 By this point in my story, you have probably asked the question, why doesn't that poor fellow just take some Prozac and put an end to his misery? After all, ever since their discovery after World War II, antidepressants have become the first line of treatment for clinical depression. All of my fellow patients at the day treatment center were on some combination of drugs, usually an average of three to five medications, which were constantly being readjusted and fine-tuned. Sometimes an entire regime would be stopped and a host of new antidepressants would be tried. Many patients were periodically readmitted to the hospital so that new medications could be carefully monitored. In the long run, all of this tinkering offered a tentative peace, and in some instances, a marked improvement of mood. My own experience with antidepressants, however, had a far different outcome. I began with the well-known SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, Prozac, Zoloft, and Paxil. Unfortunately, each of them made me feel as if I had received intravenous shots of double espresso. I later discovered that I had experienced a phenomenon called SSRI overstimulation. Certain anxiety-prone individuals may experience a transient excitation, often described as a speedy sensation, when they first take an SSRI drug, such as Prozac or Zoloft. In some instances, this reaction can result in a full-blown panic attack. Later, I learned that starting out on minute doses of a medication can decrease the intensity of this stimulation. But the standard quantities I was taking at the time made me far too agitated and anxious. I then turned to the older tricyclic antidepressants 
which for many people are just as effective as the SSRIs, at one-tenth the cost. Yet aside from Ellaville, which sedated me so that I could sleep, they too failed to diminish my symptoms. In total, I experimented with about 15 antidepressants, including some of the newer drugs such as Welbutrin, Lovox, Serzone, and Remeron, all of which failed to produce the expected results. I specifically remember being jealous of the manic depressives at day treatment because they had a magic bullet, lithium, that miraculously evened out their moods. I found no such biochemical panacea that would heal my symptoms. Finally, I asked my psychiatrist for an explanation. You have a case of treatment-resistant depression, he said. This is also known as refractory depression. What does that mean? It means that your type of depression is not helped by our available medications. Although 40 to 60% of patients benefit from antidepressants, the rest do not, either because they can't handle the side effects or because they simply don't respond to the drugs. If antidepressants don't work for me, is there another way to heal? I would try ECT. ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, commonly known as electric shock therapy, is the treatment of last resort for clinical depression. In ECT, the brain is stimulated with a strong electrical current, which induces a kind of epileptic seizure. In a manner that is not clearly understood, this seizure rearranges the brain's chemistry, resulting in an elevation of mood. Like many people, I was put off by the gruesome reputation of ECT, as popularised in the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Until I saw it heal my mother of a life-threatening depression. My partner Joan's aunt who suffers from manic depression, was also stabilised by ECT, as were a number of patients at day treatment. I thought to myself, if electricity can jumpstart a stalled heart, why can't the same current be used to heal a sick brain? Intrigued, I consulted a number of medical journals and learned that ECT is very effective in certain types of major depression and mania. Nonetheless, I was concerned about its impact on my excellent memory, as one of the significant side effects of ECT is memory loss. When I consulted with the psychiatrist who specialised in ECT, he assured me that the impact on memory only applied to events that occurred around the time of the treatments. However, he said because of my extreme agitation, he was reluctant to try the procedure. I returned to Dr. Stark with my findings. Medication doesn't seem to work, and I'm not considered a good candidate for ECT, I moaned. That leaves prayer, he replied. Actually, I was already following Dr. Stark's advice. For the past four months, I'd been placing weekly prayer requests in the prayer boxes at the Living Enrichment Center. Adele, one of the prayer volunteers, had taken a personal interest in my case and was writing back to me once a week. 
Concerned about the gravity of my condition, Adele contacted the Reverend Eddie Brame, Head of Pastoral Counseling at LEC, and told her of my predicament. Shortly afterwards, I received a call from Eddie. When one of our congregants was dying of cancer, Eddie explained, we decided to bring all of her supporters, her family, friends, minister, physicians, and social worker, together in one room. Their combined prayers created a powerful healing energy that allowed Carol to live far longer than anyone expected. I think that same principle might work for you. Mary, myself, and members of the prayer ministry would like to schedule a meeting with you on Monday, July 14, at 4pm in Mary's office. Can you attend and bring members of your personal support team? The invitation could not have come at a better time. By the early summer of 1997, I was truly desperate. My depressive episode was now in its 10th month. And during the prior 90 days, my anxiety and depression had reached all-time highs, eclipsing the dark days of November and December. In pursuit of relief, I had tried every conventional and alternative treatment I could find, including sitting at the feet of, and being blessed by, two Tibetan monks who were disciples of the Dalai Lama. Receiving a soul retrieval, a shamanic healing, and a series of acupuncture treatments. Ingesting Chinese herbs, homeopathic remedies, megadoses of vitamins, and a panoply of antidepressants. Despite my concerted efforts at finding a traditional, and or alternative cure, I still remained trapped in the black hole of depression. What have I got to lose? I thought. I told Eddie that I would accept her invitation. I now had three weeks to prepare for what I believed was my last hope for survival. The God Meetings We do not come to grace. Grace comes to us. M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Travelled As the time of the meeting with the LEC ministers drew nearer, I suggested to my partner Joan that we spend a day in retreat at a Trappist monastery located in the small town of Lafayette, Oregon, 20 miles southwest of Portland. Thomas Merton had been one of my spiritual mentors and I hoped that spending time in his order might be a source of inspiration to me. It was one of those glorious Oregon summer days that almost compensates for the nine months of interminable rain. We arrived at the monastery at midday and spent the afternoon hiking the lovely grounds. Afterwards, I wandered into the library where I stumbled upon an audio tape by Ayurvedic physician Deepak Chopra whose books on holistic health and spirituality were all the rage in the United States. In his talk, Chopra asserted that the brain had its own internal pharmacy, as evidenced by its ability to manufacture pain-killing endorphins. There really is such a thing as healing from within, I thought. 
If only I could find a way to access my body's natural healing system. I walked to the chapel next door, got down on my knees, and prayed for such a healing. The following day, Monday, July 14, I arrived at the Reverend Mary Morrissey's spacious office on LEC's 95-acre campus. Pictures of Jesus, Buddha, and other spiritual teachers adorned the walls, complemented by a large magnolia tree which bloomed outside a picture window. Mary had arranged the chairs and couches in a circular pattern around a glass coffee table, at the center of which sat an angelic figurine. Ten other people were present besides Stuart, Joan, and myself. Six staff people from LEC, including three ministers. A minister friend from a local unity church. The leader of my men's group, my therapist, Pat. And Judy, the social worker I had consulted when I was suicidal. I was deeply moved that 12 people had taken time out of their busy schedules to support me. Mary facilitated the meeting in a straightforward fashion. She began by leading us in an affirmative prayer, taken from the writings of New Thought writer Jack Addington. There is no power in conditions. There is no power in situations. There is only power in God. Almighty God within me right now. There is no person, place, thing, condition or circumstance that can interfere with the perfect right action of God Almighty within me right now. I am pure spirit, living in a spiritual world. All things are possible to God through me. Mary then asked the participants to introduce themselves, recount how they had met me, and describe their thoughts on the ultimate outcome of my ordeal. As people shared their perceptions, a common theme emerged. Everyone affirmed that I could be healed of my affliction. Although I disagreed with their prognosis, I was moved by the unanimity of their faith. When my turn arrived, I briefly recounted the history of my depressive episode, as well as my present feelings of hopelessness and despair. Normally, I would have stopped there, but the previous day Mary had given an inspired sermon on the mental equivalent. This is an ancient metaphysical principle, which states that before something can manifest in the outer world, there must first exist an idea or mental equivalent of it in the world of thought. I complimented Mary on her talk and said that I wished to create a mental equivalent of what wellness would look and feel like for me. The group embraced my idea, and so I asked each participant to join with me in affirming my picture of wholeness over the next 30 days. I promised to write out my vision and send it to the members by the end of the week. The plan was that every day, preferably at 9am, each person would read my vision statement while picturing me as whole and well. The meeting ended with a prayer 
of Thanksgiving. This has been Douglas Block. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something from it. If you'd like to ask me any questions about what you have heard, feel free to email me at douglasblock at gmail.com. That's my first and last name, all lowercase, at gmail.com, without any dots or underscores. If you would like to learn more about my work with depression, you can visit my website, www.healingfromdepression.com, or go to my YouTube channel. Just open up YouTube and type in the words Douglas Block Depression, and my depression recovery channel should come right up. Finally, I would like to remind you that depression and anxiety are treatable conditions. It may take time to find the right therapy or combination of therapies, but if you persevere, you can achieve the healing that you seek. And until our next podcast, I wish you the best in your mental health recovery. Thank you for listening.